them. And this is actually a series on the book of Proverbs. And uh, we're, we're not doing it justice because there's so much wisdom. I'd encourage you, if you haven't done it, read through the book of Proverbs. The first nine chapters are really about the, making the case for wisdom. And then starting in chapter 10 through the end of the book is really lots of different Proverbs of wisdom that you can apply to your life. And that'll be a blessing to you uh, throughout the rest of your days. And so just go ahead and, and read it. Now, let's go to our series verse, Proverbs 4, 7. says this, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do in whatever else you do. You can do a lot of stuff in life. But the investments you make to get wisdom are going to do you good. It says, and whatever else you do, develop Good judgment. So today I want to talk to you on this subject, developing the life of a learner. And there's so much uh, about this in the book of Proverbs. And, and I've always loved to learn. It's just something I, I've, I've been a part of my whole life when I was, uh, you know, I'm a southern boy from southern Minnesota. So I grew up there. And uh, at seven, I started raising chickens. At 10, I started raising hogs with my dad. And in high school, I started raising sheep. When I was 17, I got my pilot's license, went to college, became a CPA, and uh, and really had a calling of God to be a pastor. And so I thought since I had done some serving and had done some leading and I'd done some teaching that when I got to be a pastor, I was going to be a great pastor. Not so fast. Didn't actually work out that way. I had a whole bunch of learning to do. Even though I was called, there was so much that I, that I did not know. And so uh, the result of, of kind of the first years of ministry was Thinking I'd be, you know, when you think you're going to be pretty good at something and you find out you're not, that, that, that can cause some, some things to go on in your life. A lot of soul searching, right? A lot of introspection. And then there was alternating bouts of self-doubt and self-pity. You ever been there? You know, you're learning so much new and it's just like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get on top of it. What I found out later was that most pastors had, who launched churches had been on staff at a church, some to 10, 15 years, and, and I didn't have that experience. I was in the business world, so when we launched the church, the first 10 or 15 years of the church were me just learning all the stuff that everybody that had been on staff already knew. And so there was this, this high learning curve that was going on in my life. And so the thing was... Just because you know something, it doesn't mean you're a master at it. Did you know that? Mastery is something completely different. A number of years ago, I read that to master something, it takes 10,000 hours. And that's if you're paying attention. You got some talent and you got some ability in, in that area. And so when you go, young people, when you get out of high school, college, wherever, you start a new job, the first five years, are you, just, are you just trying to figure out if you even like to do this and learning the ropes and paying your dues? And, and you know, sometimes we want to we be CEO over the company in, in 4.3 weeks and, and, and all that. It just doesn't work that way. And there's a reason, there's a lot of things we don't know, a lot of experiences we, we haven't had. And so the first few years of ministry, there were so many times I felt like quitting. And so I just had to, I had to learn. And so you've probably heard the saying, you either got to hurt enough or learn enough to change. I want to just tell you, you're not going to live long enough to experience every hurt. You just, well, and I just, well, I had to do this, learn from some, some other people, learn, learn some things that would help me grow and develop in ways that I had not yet developed. And so my goal today is very simple. 
I want to set you up for success with God and success in life. And I want to share some principles that I think will help us become lifelong learners. See, what's going on right now in schools all over America, and especially uh, here in the Springkline Tomball community, is that students are thinking that the end is near. School's about to be out. I can stop learning. Let me just help you with something. When you get out of school, whether it's for the summer or whether it's stop school, period, that means you get to have the opportunity to learn lessons that have real consequences. And so really the goal of life is not to stop learning. The goal of life is to become a lifelong learner. To really embrace the idea that I've got things to learn, I'm willing to learn, and and to really lean into that. And, And so the problem for many of us is that we're talking when we should be listening. Isn't that right? Anybody ever said anything you wish you'd have never said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be thankful you're not me. Every Sunday after every message, there's things that say, oh, I wish I would have said that different. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I would have said that. Yeah, aren't you glad you're not me? I mean, but we all have those things in our lives and it's, it's tough. And so we've all used imprecise words or we've spoken words and we've not, we have a good intent in our heart, but we didn't use the right tone. You ever had that happen? And you got big trouble? Husbands, raise your hands. Yes. I mean, you know that, you know, I've done that too many times. That's not a good thing. But here's what Proverbs 10.8 says. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. When Kim and I first got married, we had, we disagree over things. And you know, she was wrong, but you know, what are you going to do? And uh, she would have a different opinion. But, but you know, then it got, we'd have disagreements in the evening, but then the conversations, the discussions would get more heated the later the night went on and the more tired I became. And, and I don't know if I really ever told her this, but there was times that I was so um, desiring to win that when we were arguing and fussing at each other, I would forget what we're arguing about because she'd do this whole left brain, right brain thing and fly back and forth with her arguments. And, and, I, and I was tired. I couldn't keep up, right? And so then I would just, I was just arguing for the win, not even for what we were debating about. Isn't that terrible? I just needed to shut my mouth and roll over and go to sleep, right? Some of us, that's, that's what we need to do. But here's the thing I learned. Our marriage is great. It's wonderful to be Kim's husband. It's a great thing. And so, so here's the thing. Some of, some of us though, We've, we are talking and we are saying things we shouldn't be saying instead of learning. And so our mouths get us in trouble a lot. In fact, if we could get our mouths right, we would be much wiser. So let's look at some times where we kind of say some foolish things. And there's some people, you, by the way, let me just help you. If you don't know who these people are in your life, it might be you. Here's the first type, the know-it-all. The know-it-all. See, I was an expert at raising teenagers and then I had some. Right? You know, we've all, we've all been there. You got some people that they're an expert on every subject. Anything you bring up, they're just, they're just going to tell you their expertise. Um, and oftentimes what they're trying to do is cover their insecurities. They just, they just don't feel like they measure up and they're trying to prove they belong there. Proverbs 28, 26, those, those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Isn't that awesome? 
You've got to learn not to, to trust everything you think about yourself. If you keep your own counsel, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. So we all have blind spots, every single one of us. A few weeks ago, I was out to uh, eat lunch with a young man and, and uh, you know, I wanted to make a good impression all. And it was, a, it was, a, it was an Asian place and, and uh, no knife because the food is all supposed to be portion size food, but I wanted to cut a piece of meat, meat up a little bit, make it a little smaller. You know, I'm trying not to talk with food in my mouth and all that stuff. So, you know, get it down quick. And I go to my fork and I'm cutting and I slip and rice and meat sprays all over the front of me. I mean, I'm, I'm a mess. All right, and he was so helpful. Hey, you got a little bit there, you got a little bit there, you got a little bit there. You know, and I'm trying to wipe it all off. We think we're good. I get back to the office. I check in the mirror. Okay, people are going to be around all day. I get home that night, and I find another piece of rice that does not look like rice in another part of my, on another part of my shirt. See, we've got, what happens is, and the same thing is true in every area of our life, we've got blind spots no matter how, look, how we look, how close we look, how hard we look, we cannot see them. And we're really not as much of a know-it-all as we think we are. Here's the second type of person that says foolish things. The been there, done that, got the t-shirt people. I know, I know what this is like, amen? They've done what you've done and they're proud of it. You go to start telling your story, they interrupt to tell, your, tell theirs, right? And they, they just kind of just take over the conversation. They're trying to prove that they belong in the, in the conversation with you. Proverbs 18.2 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Now, let's just be fair because some of you young people say, yeah, that's my parents. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's something that happens when you've been living life for a while and pay attention. You learn some things. So if they say, been there, done that, there are still things you can learn from them. It would behoove you and be wise for you to listen. But there's some people, they just have an opinion on everything, right? You just kind of kind of let that go. Here's the third one, the one-upper. The one-upper. No matter what you accomplish, no matter what you overcome, they got one better. You overcame one addiction, they had five. And they were far worse than yours, right? This is the one-upper. Just, they just always got something else. And usually this comes, their, their pride, or maybe it's insecurity, kind of looking like pride. Um, but Proverbs twelve fifteen says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Amen. We, got, we, got to just, we got to get this right. Amen? Let's not be the one-upper. So the foolish talk when they should be listening. The wise, what they do is they learn to stop talking. Listen, if we just stop talking half the time and actually pay attention, we'll be wiser immediately. It just happens. Why is it that some people can stop talking and really try to listen and get something out of it? It's because they have a listening heart. I want to talk to you a little bit about the listening heart this morning. They just desire to, to listen and learn. Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. In other words, the wise get wiser. The wise get better. The wise, they just, they just keep wanting to learn and to grow. And, and this is the type of person that God can do great things in and through. He, he just keeps working in these kinds of people. Why? Because they stop talking and they're learning to listen. Somebody right now, you're praying. 
Jesus, let pastor stop talking. I am hungry. Listen, you're going to get out of here in time. But I, but I, but I want to just tell you this morning that, that we've got to have this heart that we want to listen and we want to learn. It's, it goes beyond just listening. In fact, it goes to seeking out opportunities to, to learn and to grow. To not think, you know, I, I just, I've got this. I can do this. No, they really want to go, grow. Here, here's what they know. They know that when they're talking, they are already sharing what they know. But if they be quiet, they'll learn something from someone else. In fact, I was taught years ago, and it's, I found it to be true, that even from your worst boss, your worst friend, the one that talks all the time, you can learn something even if it's not, what not to do. But you can learn if you have a listening heart. So what are some characteristics of someone with a listening heart? The listening heart people are very humble. They're just humble people. They're, they're humble enough to stop talking and, and to listen. They might be the smartest one in the room, but you won't know it because they're not letting you know. They're there learning. They're there listening. Proverbs eleven two says this, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. You've got to just decide, I'm going to learn. Here's the thing. The fringe benefit of humility is wisdom. God's going to give you more wisdom. See, humble people look for opportunities to learn. They're just always trying. They put themselves in places to grow and to learn. I, I love it when people who've been walking with Jesus for a while, God sends them to his place and they, they know a lot about the word. They know a lot of things, how to have a, a healthy walk with God and all that. But they, but they say, you know what? I want to connect with what God's doing here at his place. So, so I'm going to come through growth track. I'm going I'm to come in like I've never been in a class in my life and I'm going to learn and I'm going to open my heart. I love those kind of people. God's got great things for them. Here's the, here's the second kind of person, a uh, characteristic of a person with a listening heart. They, they have a desire to grow. Oh, they want to grow. They love it. Do you have a desire to grow? Seriously, do, do, you real, do you have a passion to grow in your walk with God? Do you have a, a deep desire to be a different person a year from now? More like Jesus, more like he wants you to be than who you are right now? Because here's the thing, unless you want it, you're not going to get it. Growth doesn't just happen to us. It's something that, that actually God wires us for, but we got to pay attention to it. This spring, we've had a, a pair of red-tailed hawks that have had, built a nest in a pine tree near us. It's a big old nest. And I, didn't, I, I heard the hawks. I know their cry. I know when they catch something because I've heard them crying when they got something in their talons. And, and I just think they're beautiful creatures. And, and so I've heard them, but I hadn't noticed that they had a nest. And so a couple weeks ago, I, found, I saw this nest, and I, I got my binoculars, and, and I went, and I looked, and, and sure enough, there was, there was some small ones about this big. They had little fuzzy heads. They're so cute. Probably tear your eyes out, but they were cute. <laughs> but here's the thing. Why, why did they grow? Because God built them with hunger. Now, some of us, we can eat without being hungry. I'm good at that. I can do that. But God in creation, he made people so when they get hungry, he made creatures, when they get hungry, they'll start eating. See, in hunger in your life, you, you say, well, how do I get spiritual hunger? It looks like a problem. It looks like a situation you don't know the answer to. 
It looks like a dilemma that you're trying to figure out. What am I supposed to do in this situation? It looks like an impossibility. Where, where you just can't seem to figure it out and, and, it, and it, just, it looks like you're stuck in there. What, what that is, is God's not sending that to you probably at all. It's the devil that's trying to destroy you. But what God's doing in your life is he's trying to get you to have some hunger. He wants to turn that attack of the enemy in your life into hunger so that you grow and you develop and you become different than you are right now. He's working and wanting to work in your life. There's a verse in, in your, not in your notes, but it's in Proverbs 16, 26. It says, see, tomorrow morning you're going to go to work. Some of you don't want to go to work. I'm going to help you right here. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. Parents, you're trying to help your kids get a job? Stop feeding them. I'm telling you, they'll figure something out. I'm not talking when they're four. Come on, y'all. You know, but when they get around 21 and they want to lay around the house, come on. It's going to cost you to be around here. You just, you see, because hunger drives you, right? It's what moves us. When you have a setback, when you have something that's not working right, God's trying to bring out that hunger. Amen? Why is it that we don't get motivated to learn about parenting until our kids are acting up? Right? Why is it most times in life we got to have problems before we get a hunger? Here's what I'm suggesting. This entire message today is to try to help us tune in to being lifelong learners, to listen to the Holy Spirit and to say, God, where do I need to be growing? Where do I need to be learning? Tapping into that because I think it's better for God to prepare us than to bail us out. And he wants to prepare us if we're listening, if we're learning, if we're that lifelong learner. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. I love that. But here's the thing about it. It's often messy. If you're part of a healthy church that's seeing people's lives change, and, and we are, it's sometimes messy. Because we're helping people work through things. But we're encouraging you to get in a small group. Small groups are great. They're lots of fun. But sometimes it's messy. Sometimes people don't get along. Well, God's got some work he's wanting to do on you. He's trying to, here, here's the thing what God's trying to do. He's not trying to get you right. What God's trying to do is get you ready. He's trying to get you ready for the next thing, the next assignment, something he's going to call you to do in a week, a month, a year, 10 days from now, whatever it is. He's trying to get you ready, but he can't use you the way you are now. He's got to prepare you for the future. So he puts you around people and it, and it gets kind of messy. I grew up on a farm and my dad was a welder. And uh, he loved to weld really more than he loved to farm. And so in the wintertime, he would, when we couldn't farm, then he would go work for a local manufacturer and he would weld. And, and so he had a welder and he had a grinder. I learned how to weld a little bit. It was never as good as he was. But, but what happens when you put a weld down, if you're going to paint it, you're going to do something else. And my dad was always a, a perfectionist, a stickler for, for doing it right. He wanted it to look, look like a professional had done it because he felt like he, you know, he was a professional. But um, sometimes people look down because he was a farm but he just wanted to look right and so we had this grinder big old wheel and uh so he'd lay down a weld and then there'd be slag on it maybe you used a wheel that had a had a brush on it and so you get that slag off but then there was other times like if you were sharpening a blade or something you needed to run it on that grinder and here's what i what i know about being around grinders when 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 there's iron sharpening iron it's loud 
It's messy. There's sparks. There's stuff happening. And that's the only way that that, that that blade gets sharper is if that's going on. And what happens as you ha- do that in the same spot over and over for a long period of time, all the slag, all the, all the filings, if you will, that come off from that grinding process end up on the ground. They end up on you and there's this, this fine dust and these pieces of metal all around. And it's, and it, it's, a, it's a mess. But what that, what's that stuff that's laying there? It's waste. It's stuff that's not needed. And every one of us have things in our life that God's, God's trying to get us in a place, put us in a, in a small group, get us in a church, get us someplace where there's, there's people that are pursuing God and they're not perfect, but they're going to rub off on you. And what's going to happen is you're going to become the person that God wants you to be. You're going to be more like him a year from now than you are today. But you've got to embrace the process. You got to live in that process. And so people that have a listening heart, they're humble and they have a desire to grow. And they're going to do this third one too. They're going to embrace correction. Embrace correction. There's some people that when you correct them, you've been on the phone with these people. You've had these conversations. They, they tell you what's going on and you, you say to this and you say it right. I mean, this isn't, you haven't said it wrong or anything. You say it right. You say, well, you know, one of the things that might help you is if you did this. What happens with some people? Gotta run. Hey, can't talk long. Been good talking to you. Right? Or if it's in person, they, oh, they got busy. They just remember, they, I got an appointment. I gotta get out of here. What's the problem? They don't love correction. They don't love correction. In fact, if you're spiritually pouring into somebody and they run, you know that you've got somebody that doesn't want correction. By the way, if you're pouring into somebody spiritually, one of the ways that you can tell if they have the potential to be a spiritual son or daughter is is if they stick around after the correction and make adjustments. If they run, they're just kind of a hireling, Jesus called them. But if they say, you know, I can handle that correction and I'm going to make an adjustment. I'm going to keep my heart right in there. There you've got a learner. We call that somebody that's hungry and teachable. That's what we want here at his place. Here's what Proverbs 12.1 says. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Isn't it just good to know that the word stupid is in the Bible? I mean, it does my heart good. By the way, have you heard the expression, you can't fix stupid? Here's why. It tells you right in here. The stupid hate correction. They won't take it. They're going to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you cost them. Which, by the way, if you remember the week one of this series, we told you that the fool only learns by tragedy. I love you. Jesus loves you. What we're trying to do is help you to make changes, help me to make changes so that we don't have to do it based on tragedy and hard times. We do it because we're learning and growing as God prepares us for what he has in the future. Amen? So, it's a wonderful thing. Last Sunday, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to take correction. Last Sunday, we had a young man that came through the doors of the church, and I'd met him once before, and he's actually uh, going to launch a church here uh, this fall in the area. And, and so when, when I met him, I talked to him. I said, hey, 
I said, I want you to look at everything. Just walk around the church. I want you to look at everything. And if there's anything we're not doing the way it should be done, I want you to tell me. Text me this afternoon. We have each other's number. And, and so, um, so uh, later on Sunday afternoon, I got a text from him said, hey, man, you did so, everything. Was, there's just so much that was good. It was right. But there's this one thing. And I'm like, what's the one thing? And so he told me what it was. We already got it fixed for this week. Amen? It's, it's the right thing to take correction and want to learn and want to grow. And so the question you have to ask yourself is this. Do I embrace correction or do I run from it? Which one is it in your life? See, some people, they get their feelings hurt and then they just run. They, they're, they're thinking that the person correcting them does not love them. That's the person correcting them is rejecting them, which actually the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says in Hebrews that God corrects, God disciplines those he loves. But don't get confused. God does not discipline by sending you poverty or giving you cancer or sending you through. That ain't God disciplining you. That's not what God uses. God will work through that, but he doesn't send it. Here's the thing. God says the time to be worried is when he's not correcting you. In fact, my, my kids were year-round swimmers when they were younger. And my son was a coach for a number of years. And what, what they learned by watching and what my son did when he was a coach is if there was someone who, who received correction and, and did not listen, then the coach would just let that swimmer, if they just wanted to piddle paddle down, up and down the lane the whole practice for an hour and a half and their parents paying big money for it, knock yourself out. I'm not going to spend any time on you if you don't want to grow and you don't want to change. And same thing is with God when it gets quiet. When you don't know what he's working with you on or you don't know what he's adjusting you on, then that's the time to say, okay, God, where did I miss it? What did I say no to that you wanted me to say yes? Where, where were you trying to correct me and I didn't listen and by the way, you know when you're missing something, when you're stuck in a rut. Because a rut is the smooth path that enables you to make the same mistake over and over without any resistance. And you can just repeat it faster. So it's important to say, I, I want correction, God. I want you to adjust me. I want you to change me. If you embrace that, then God's got something. We call it being hungry and teachable. That God can work in your life. And I pray for people like that. We pray for people like that. Because here's what I know about that. It's not for us. We know that God is going to do amazing things in your life when you're that way. If you're hungry and if you're teachable. You say, well, pastor, that's me. How, how do I become teachable? Let's look at a teachable life. Proverbs 13, 13, and 14 says this. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Have you ever said this? I'm not, I didn't ask for that. Life's not fair. Why is everybody out to get me? Why am I stuck in poverty? Why can't I break the cycle? People who despise advice are asking for trouble. When you reject the advice, you're basically saying, come on, trouble. I'm ready. I can handle this. I think it's better not to not despise advice. Look at this. Those who respect a command will succeed. 
The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. Listen, if you've got a teachable heart, when somebody instructs you and then it's from a wise person, you're just like, man, it's life to me. I'm, I want to change. I want to be different than I was before they spoke into my life. Look, those who accept it will avoid the snares of death. Early in the life of the church, I did more counseling than I do now. One, because I'm not very good at it. And two, other people are better at it than me. Say, why do you say that? Because I can only listen so long. And then I'm going to tell you something. And I'm going to find out if you want to change or not. Amen. My overseer actually coached me. He said, he said, he said Doug, if, if they keep coming back and they're not making changes, stop talking to them. Because, you know, I'd like to, like to help. Here's what I learned about counseling. There's people, and they don't know that they're doing this, and not doing it maybe intentionally, but you can notice. They'll, 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 I say, have you any counseling? Well, I went to that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. What they're doing is they're shopping for a counselor that agrees with them. That's why marriage counseling oftentimes is so difficult, because the one that agrees with him is not the same one that agrees with her. Yeah. Amen? That's free. Let's not be the people that don't want to grow, don't want to change. Let's, let's be the ones that say, God, I'm going to seek you. I want what you tell me. And then I'm going to confirm it with wise counsel. And then I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to do what you want me to do, God, right? So what do hungry, teachable learners do? Here's number one. Learners initiate. Learners initiate. Some of you may have a Sunday that you have to work and you can't be here and, and you're not here. A learner is going to say, hey, I want to stay tuned to what, what the life of this church. Yeah, I can listen to 100 different podcasts out there, but what's God doing in my church? What's God doing here? And you're going to go out to the website and you're going to go to the messages and you're going to listen to it on audio or you're going to watch it on video and you're going to say, I, I'm going to initiate. Nobody has to remind you, which, which by the way, if you have to be reminded all the time, I wanna, I'm going to help you. Free tip right here. How many of you forget things? I got both hands up. I forget things. You have this amazing thing we live with now. It's called a phone. Oh, I forgot the appointment. No, you forgot to put it in the phone. Just put it in the phone. Amen? Like you got tasks, put the, put the task in the phone. I can, I can teach you things about doing that. I don't have to have a memory of everything I got to do. I just put it down. If my phone dies, we're in trouble. But, but listen, you know what? You can write that stuff down. You don't have to remember it. But you initiate things in your life to make you better. I use those systems because they make me better. Initiate. Amen? So... Here's the thing, when, when we lack wisdom in an area, oftentimes we're afraid to ask. We're nervous. Why? You ever been in a meeting where they said there's no such thing as a stupid question? You're like, well, if there was one, I'd, I'd be the one to ask it, you know, right? You got, you got to let that go, and especially with God. Here's what James, James is filled with so much practical uh, wisdom. Here's James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Underline that word, ask, circle it. Ask. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God, God is not a parent who says, you should have known better. When you ask him for wisdom, he will give it. God's response always is, thanks for asking. Let me help. And you just keep listening because he wants to. For most of the years of our church, our services uh, were about 15 to 25 minutes longer than they are. Over these last few years. 
And the reason it changed is because we invited our overseers in and he spoke and preached. And after the service, I said to him, I said, I said, Pastor, I said, give me some, you know, tell me, tell me how the service went. What do you think? He said, well, you could probably cut about 15, 20 minutes out of the service if you just change these things. It won't take the presence of God out of the service. It's not going to change what God wants to do. It won't change how people grow and develop. But you could just do it differently and it would be so much more efficient. You know what we did? We made the changes. We made the changes. Why? And, and so that brings me to the next thing. Learners initiate. Notice a common thread here. When, when I know people who know something walk through the door, I try to ask them. I'm trying to get insight. But it doesn't work if you don't do the next part. Learners implement. Learners implement. You got you to actually do it. It was great that he had advice for me, but if I never did it, we never did it as a church, what good is it, right? Wouldn't have made any, any difference. Here's what James 122 says. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. I had a thought occur to me this week, and I, and I wrote it down. I want to share it with you. And, and I'm not saying it's God, but I think it's, I think it's wisdom. The pace of implementation is the pace of growth in your life. The pace of implementation is the pace of growth. See, five months ago, we all had New Year's resolutions probably. You don't need to read another article on how to, how to, how to lose weight. I'm losing, I read them all the time. Eat right, exercise, get a good night's sleep, drink lots of water. Right? You can tell me that a hundred times, but until I actually implement and stop eating the two rows of brownies like I did yesterday, come on! I'm not a quitter. There was one left, and then that I didn't cut it right, right? You know? But we know, don't we? We got to implement. So the pace of our implementation is the pace of our change. That's, that's the issue. We've got to make some implementation in our life. Some of you, you've been coming to his place for a while. You go, Pastor, he keeps talking about that growth track. When are you going to come? Amen. It's not enough just to hear it. What James is saying here, we've got to not just be hearers of the word. We actually have to do it. I'm going to get out of debt. Yeah, When? Sometime after you have a plan. You've got to have a You may not be on the plan all the time, but you've got to have a plan and you've got to be taking steps, right? All of those things. So you make mistakes. Here's another thing learners do. Number three, learners improve. Learners improve. Mastery requires continual learning and improvement. Let me help you here. By the way, don't miss next week. I'm going to help you lower your stress significantly in your life by changing one thing in your life. And, and here, here's another thought, though. Stop focusing on what everybody else is doing. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. They went broke. They got divorced. They hate each other. Stop trying to keep up with everybody else. Instead, focus, what's God saying to me? What do I need to make an adjustment at? Here's a little goal you can have. What if you made a 1% improvement every week in some area of your life? A year from now, you'd be more than 52% better. So he said, why more than 52%? It's called compounding. I don't know what that is. Go research it. You'll learn something. 
Amen? So you ask yourself, how can I get better in my walk with God? How can I grow? How can, how can I develop? How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better uh, 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 sibling? How can I be a better uh, co-worker? How can I be a better boss, better leader? Whatever it is, just keep asking yourself, how can I improve? Here's what James 3.17 says. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times. Look at this. Willing to yield to others. Full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Are you willing to yield to a better way of doing things? I'm not saying my way, but I, bet I, can, I can say with all confidence, God's way is a better way than the way some of us do things. I'm not upset at you. I'm, talk, I'm preaching to me this morning. But we've got, we've got to continue to make improvements. And here's number four. Learners inspire. Learners inspire. Your change and your growth will inspire others. Here's the thing. And this is just, I'm just taking this because it's such an easy thing. What, what do weight loss companies do? Before picture, after picture. Why? Because they don't have to say another thing. You look at that and they say, yeah, I need to buy that. Look at that person. They got from this to this. Here's what I know about you. As you're pursuing God, as you're working, letting God work in your life, as you're growing, as you're developing, as you're, as you're influencing others, it's going to inspire somebody else. We've got a, a person in our church that recently has been coming for a while but it, and has been inviting for a while, but recently has some people that have started coming with them. And a few weeks ago, I said, I said man, I see you're filling your row, row up. And, and I was just wanted to encourage this person and excited about it. And, and uh, they looked back at me and said, well, maybe next week I'll have another row. That inspired me. That was the attitude. That was, that was amazing. That was incredible. Right? Amen. That, that kind of thing we can help others with is, is just by doing the change, being a learner, we're going to inspire somebody else. Here's what James 3.18 says. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and look at this, and reap a harvest of righteousness. When you plant the right seeds in your life, when you learn the right things, then what's going to happen is you're going to have this harvest come back into your life. Here's the wisdom principle for today as we close. The habit of a teachable spirit produces a life of consistent wisdom. The habit of a teachable spirit produces a life of consistent wisdom. If we keep learning, if we keep growing, if we keep developing into the person that God wants us to be, what God is doing is he's preparing us for the future that he has for us. He's preparing us for the blessings. Some of us have been believing God, begging God, asking God for blessings, and we don't, we're not receiving them. What if the reason was because we're not letting him allow us to grow and we're not working and cooperating with that change he wants to make in our life? We're not, we're not being consistent in having a teachable, hungry spirit. We'll do that. I think, I promise you, according to God's word, we're going to be different a year from now than we are today and we'll be more usable for God's kingdom. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Maybe something that I shared this morning, some scripture, some point, really pricked your heart today. 
For some of you, may, you have to maybe say, you know, I, I need to embrace correction. I've been resisting all kinds of correction in my life. And, and maybe right now you just need to ask God to forgive you for that. Maybe you need to go to a parent or a coach or somebody and just say, hey, I, I've not been listening and I apologize. Whatever it was today, as I pray, I, wanna, I want you to ask God to help you. And here's what I know about God. He loves to be asked to help. And if you'll listen, he'll give you all the help you need. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And I thank you that you want to help us. Lord, I want to learn more. I've got blind spots. I've got places I need more of your wisdom and more of your insight. Lord, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for Kim. Lord, a source of incredible wisdom and encouragement in my life. Thank you for the others that I know, my, our lead team and, and overseer and others that we're in relationship with. But God, I pray that you'd give great relationships to every person where they can grow and they can change. Lord, I pray they'll get in a small group. Lord, they'll find a place they can plug in and they can connect. And Lord, they'll let some stuff go so they can be more like the people you want them to be. Father, I pray for my small group. Lord, do a work in us. In that group, we pray in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Pastor, I, you know, I don't really have a good relationship with God. I'm doing the motion thing. I'm here kind of going through it. But I, 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 need to, I need to have that relationship right. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus is waiting to wash away your sins, give you a new life, make you live to him from the inside out. So as we pray this prayer together, if you'll pray this from your heart directly to God, I'm going to give you some words to say. What he's going to do is he's going to begin the transition, the transformation in your heart. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, say it like you mean it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. God, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord and leader of my life. I surrender to you. I want to live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.